Welcome to the Streamline Performance Podcast, where our mission is to provide you, the everyday athlete, with the knowledge, insight, and tools to stay active, improve performance, and avoid injury along the way. We believe that an active life is a life worth living, and if you're here, you likely do too. If you're ready to learn from the best doctors, coaches, athletes, and other leading experts in the ever-changing world of health and wellness, you're in the right place. Let's jump into today's episode. All right, it's another day on the Streamline Performance Podcast. Thanks for hopping on. We've got Dr. Ryan Spencer here again with us. Um, And today, Ryan's talking all about mobility. So Ryan is a PT here with us at Streamline Performance, and he is an orthopedic clinical specialist. He actually has been working on a lot of his own mobility stuff. So he's putting his money where his mouth is um, with a lot of this stuff in in terms of his own training. So Ryan... How do people get more mobile or why do we care about getting more mobile? Yeah, well, obviously everyone knows stretching is good for you, right? But it's easy to say something's good for you and you just don't want to do it because most people, frankly, like myself, didn't enjoy stretching and I avoided it for years and I've always had super tight calves, hamstrings. Uh, I can't remember the last time I touched my toes and it's been a a New Year's resolution of mine for (laughs) probably like three years in a row. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I always fall off at some point because it's a commitment, right? Um, But uh, the one thing I've shared in the past, which I want to reiterate, is kind of what changed my perspective. And I think if it got me to do it, there's a a good chance it can get you to do it, too, because this is something I neglected for a while. Um, And that was a a study I read. And uh, I heard about that was talking about kind of what's the minimum effective dose you need to do to get long term flexibility improvements. And when I heard the number, it, it really isn't a lot at all. And that's what kind of, you know, flipped the switch for me to be like, okay, I can do this consistently. And um, what the research broke down to was five minutes per body part per week. And after about three to four months, you'll have some degree in change in flexibility. So how does that break down? It breaks down into about three sets of 30 seconds, five days a week, and that's it. And when you hear those numbers, it doesn't sound as scary versus, you know, my girlfriend's a dancer. She's super flexible. She does like 30 to 60 minute stretch routines and there's no way I'm doing that. Right. But, um, if I can incorporate three sets of 30 seconds during my day and it doesn't have to be in succession, it can be, you know, anytime throughout the day, that was way more feasible. Um, and now I find myself, you know, waiting five, I got five minutes in between patients instead of scrolling through Twitter on my phone, sitting down, I'm getting that calf stretch in, or I'm getting a quick hamstring stretch in. And then, um, one thing that helped me too, is, uh, have an accountability calendar where just kind of make an X every day, that I do it. So then if I don't do it, it kind of stands out like, Hey, you missed that day. And you kind of keep yeah. the chain going. Um, so that was a big thing that, that changed for me. And those are static stretches. Yep. Just pure static. Um, you know, and obviously there's a lot of variability to stretching what you can do, but it was pretty easy for me to commit to just doing 30 seconds of static stretching. Um, good examples, like do your hamstring stretch in the shower, just bend over while you got the, the water pumping on your back and the heat will help too. Uh, That's a lot of times where I get mine in, you know, I just try to touch my toes while I'm in the shower and it takes about a minute and a half, gives you a little excuse to stay in the shower a little longer too. I don't don't know if we like that imagery, but it's it's all right. (laughs) But Um, you do that, you know, calf stretch, just the point is like get it in where you can, right? Because everybody has time um, if you make it. All right. Well, something you probably get asked a lot too from your patients is um, like, when should I stretch? And I often get like, isn't static stretching bad for you? Shouldn't I only be doing dynamic stuff? And to me, it sounds like anything is better than nothing, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the, and if you can find something that is easily 
uh, can be easily easily implemented into your lifestyle and your routine, that's probably going to be the best option for you. If you can, you know, create some sort of uh, a lengthy mobility drill and you have time for that and that's easy for you to do, that's great. But um, I think a lot of people are strapped on time, and so finding the the minimum effective dose is obviously the key for a lot of people. Yeah. And to your point, consistency is really the biggest thing out of all, because, you know, even if you're the most flexible person in the world, like my girlfriend tells me all the time, if she skips a couple of days, she feels like she loses some mobility and she's obviously at the extreme level of flexibility being a dancer. But um, the consistency is really what helps you sustain that over a long period of time. That's most things with life. Right. Um, But it's hard for some people to be like, I don't have time in a day you know i don't have time to do that which is why this method can be effective with static stretching just throughout your day because you can do a calf stretch while you're sitting at your desk you can do a seated hamstring stretch you can do you know a seated thoracic stretch there's a ton of stuff you can do while you're at your chair you know sitting at work and you know everybody has time they just got to make it important to you to make the time yeah right? Um, and you know, that's static stretching, but there's obviously dynamic static. We can go into different types of stretching, different other benefits. Cause that, that minimum effective dose that I do daily, that's not the only thing I do. Um, there's other things I incorporate in my workout routines that can also help with the stretching. Awesome. Something that we preach a lot here at streamline is not only, yes, we want to stretch, we want to get uh, you know, regain mobility where maybe it's not optimal, but we also want to develop strength into that range of motion too, because it's great if you can just, you know, hang and access, uh, you know, full hamstring range of motion, but, uh, it's totally something different if you can actually utilize that length. That's oftentimes the missing link for people that end up just, you know, they just stretch and stretch and they stretch for years and nothing really changes, it's that we're not actually developing strength with the length. And so there's kind of a good mantra that I've heard you talk about before is lengthen to strengthen or sorry, (laughs) strengthen to lengthen the other way around. So uh, utilizing the eccentric uh, component of a contraction, can you kind of walk us through that? Yeah. So um, to to your point, we, we always say a lot to, kind of every patient is true strength is strength throughout your range of motion, right? Because you can have certain points of your range are really strong, um, which is where eccentric training can be very beneficial to improve flexibility. And this is something I'm incorporating to my own stretching. So uh, to break it down for people, you know, eccentric is more the think of like the negative portion of emotion, right? So um, what you're doing is you're actually getting resistance as your muscle lengthens. So imagine you're doing a bicep curl, your palm goes all the way up to your shoulders, that ascending portion where you're curling the bar, the dumbbell, that's called concentric contraction. So you're shortening the muscle, you're getting that bicep squeeze, you're getting that pump. The eccentric would be if I curled that bar to my chin and then slowly control it on the way down, that's an eccentric movement. So you technically are stretching the muscle when you're doing eccentric, but when you're doing it under load, you're actually building strength throughout that stretch. So uh, for me, for hamstrings, what I've been doing, which has really helped quite a lot, is in my workout, I've added a double leg, stiff leg deadlift with barbell load. And I'm not loading that much, but I'm. it's like I'm going over to bend or touch my toes, but I'm hinging at my hips. So if you're familiar with a, a deadlift motion, um, I'm just not bending my knees. So it's putting a lot of tension on my hamstrings, my calves. And I'm taking that bar super slow down to the point where I really feel that tension, hold that a second, and then I'm contracting using those same muscles to pull myself back up. 
And what you'll find is that first set, you maybe get to a certain point in your shin. And then the second set, you're going a little further. And then you start to actively lengthen that muscle with load. And you're getting those muscles pumping. So all that blood flow is helping loosen you up too. What are some other kind of examples of like how the eccentric and concentric portions of movement work together? So like, let's, let's just take like running or even like hiking, for example. Mm-hmm. What, what does that look like for someone you're going up a steep hill what's uh, or down a steep hill what's like the eccentric and concentric portion of that yeah so concentric would be imagine you're going up a hike uh, you're ascending the hill right so i'm really lunging on these rocks i'm propelling myself upwards i'm getting that burn in my quads and my glutes as i'm going up the hill but the challenging part as anyone who's hiked will know is sometimes going down is actually harder than going up because that's the eccentric control and your muscles are basically trying to decelerate you. So they're controlling the rate of movement as you descend the mountain. Um, if anyone ever tried to, you know, run down or walk down a steep hill, you'll probably be pretty sore in your shins the next day. And that's because that shin muscle is trying to slow the rate of your, your shin moving forward. So eccentric, just think of negative descending, concentric would be kind of the ascending portion. And, you know, it's important to train eccentric because most injuries, frankly, occur during eccentric movements. You think about basketball or, you know, football players, think of a non-contact ACL injury, right? They're planting their foot and they're trying to control that deceleration. That's when they get a knee injury or, you know, you're hiking downhill and you slip or you trip because you can't control that rate going forward, or you may have a an older family member that was walking down the stairs and they tripped on that stairs because they didn't have the control, you know, lowering themselves. And most falls when you're older do occur from eccentric movements like that, where you can't control, you know, the rate of your fall. And that's when bad things happen. That's very true. (laughs) Um, I I think working on the eccentric portion of movements is uh, maybe something that doesn't get a ton of appreciation. And I think that's maybe why people, when they come see us, you know, as PTs, it's like all of a sudden they stop moving at a normal rate. They start like slowing everything down because they think that that's what we want. But really it's by and large, you see that in a PT clinic because of, um, you know, tendon injuries uh, that maybe aren't an an operative injury. Uh, we like time under tension and the eccentric component of movement is a big, big piece of implementing that time under tension to give those tendons the amount of load that they really need to start to restructure and remodel to repair its, it, uh, itself so that you can kind of return to the faster movement. And so, you know, eccentric loading is just one of those variables that we can manipulate when maybe someone can't tolerate heavy load but we can make it physiologically harder for them by implementing the eccentric portion a little bit more. And that can induce some training adaptation that, you know, your five pound dumbbell might not normally induce. Yeah. And you know why a lot of people don't do eccentric training in their routines? Because it sucks. (laughs) It does. It makes you super sore if you do it right too. You get a lot of soreness. Um, You get a lot of, you know, a lot of muscle burn. I mean, I remember I was like maybe 20, 21. And so I was there in my powerlifting days and I was kind of deloading, like not trying not to lift heavy. And I found the program that had a 10 second uh ascending portion concentric and a 10 second eccentric one workout with that (laughs) yeah i was literally doing bicep curls with 10 pounds which at the time i could curl a hell of a lot more than that yeah Um, and after one workout i was like i'm not doing that anyway so yeah you don't want to go that extreme and do uh, eccentric workout for everything but just incorporating some of those movements like 
I did a barbell squat yesterday at a normal tempo, but then I did an eccentric, you know, stiff leg deadlift to help with my hamstring flexibility because that has given me the benefit of both strength and flexibility at the same time. Um, and there's a lot of research that backs up eccentric uh, contributions to flexibility and also not just flexibility, but strength too, where, you know, I read a study last month that looked at only concentric, only eccentric, and then concentric plus eccentric. And the eccentric showed the most benefit out of any other strength training regimen to with hypertrophy and strength. So um, you don't have to switch completely to eccentric and you don't want to because you want to do other, you know, muscle actions as well. But incorporating some sort of eccentric movement into your routine uh, is important. So you talked about hamstrings a lot. What what are some other you know, eccentric movements that people can do for really common stuff, hip flexor tightness or glute tightness. Yep. So um, one, you know, if you've ever done a rear foot elevated split squat uh, or Bulgarian squat, um, your back leg that would be on the bench, that's slowly going into, you know, an eccentric stretch. Um, and you got to stretch with your hip flexor as you're going down, down there. Another exercise that frankly isn't fun because it gets a, a good burn, right? <laughs> Um, we've, we've shown a lot too, with, uh, doing a kettlebell around your foot, lying on your back and doing a slow eccentric lowering of the hip flexor. Um, great for strength and loosening up the hip flexor and helping with low back pain as well. Uh, that's another, another really tough one. Uh, so those are two main examples that jump up, uh, in my mind. What about you, Nick? Any other favorites? Yeah. For for glutes in particular, I love a hip airplane. So it's kind of like a single leg RDL, right? Like you're kind of on one leg with the knee slightly unlocked, um, hinging forward, back leg long behind you. And you're just basically pivoting over your hip side to side, going into internal and external rotation. It gets a great stretch through that glute, which a lot of runners or cyclists that I work with tend to be really, really tight in. Um, and so, you know, we'll implement basic stretching or hands-on soft tissue work, needling through that area, but then it's immediately followed up with some sort of eccentric lengthening component and where they have to exhibit not only the range of motion, but some control through that range of motion too, um, so that they can start to use that in everyday quote unquote functional movement that they're doing. Yeah. And honestly, you can make any motion, an eccentric motion, right? Just by slowing the rate of your descent. So if you want a good quad burn and no equipment necessary, just do a tempo squat where you go five seconds down, five seconds up and see how many you can do at that pace. And it's going to be less than you think. Um, And that can give you quite a good burn too. So um, it's, it's a great way to be efficient with your workouts too, where if you, if you don't want to spend that hour in the gym, I mean, you don't need to, if you're doing a lot of these slow tempo movements, um, where you also incorporate what Nick mentioned before, which is time under tension, because that's where we get our muscle to work throughout a longer period of time. Um, and you're going to benefit a lot more from that. Awesome. I feel like we could wrap about eccentric stuff for a while. And like maybe when you would pick it for you know that certain type of an emphasis in a workout program over the course of a season and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll save that conversation for another another show. But thanks for hopping on today. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll catch you on the next one. All right. Thanks for having me.